I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Summer Joy Gross with me on the podcast as we talk about the spiritual discipline of journaling. Summer is an Anglican priest and a spiritual director. She's also a writer and has a book coming out with Baker in 2024, and she's the host of the Presence Project podcast. Her passion is to set the table for you so that you can spend time in the presence of God and to give you tools to go from anxious to resting in God. I love that, Summer. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, it's so such a privilege to be with you, Jody. And I just love what you're doing here of spending time in scripture and then having a conversation and opening it up. So I'm looking forward to this. I think we have similar hearts about that. Well, <laughs> I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit more about you before we dive in. Okay. So um, I married my high school sweetheart mm-hmm. and our first date was was senior prom, which is so crazy. And we ended up getting married at 18 and 20 at Asbury College, living in these really tiny dorm um, that the architect who would come through and help to work on Asbury College called the Slave Huts. Oh, gosh. That was our first place <laughs> that we lived, the Slave Huts. Good thing you were newlyweds. Uh, I know, I know. We had we are like just above camping, <laughs> but uh, we now have three teens of uh, thirteen, sixteen, and seventeen, and it is a wild ride that everyone has tried to warn me about, and I totally didn't get until now. Yeah, so I uh, spend a whole lot of time sitting in the presence of the Lord and saying, okay, what now, Lord? (laughs) How do, how do I walk with my family Mm -hmm. during this season? Yeah. Critical years for our kids. Well, Hey, let's, let's talk about journaling. I do want to encourage everyone to go back and listen to the companion podcast because we meditated on a portion of Psalm 111. And I love this psalm because it encourages us to ponder and delight in the Lord. And of course, one of the ways that we can ponder is through journaling because it helps us slow down. It helps me slow down. Um, That's one of the reasons why I'm such a big fan of journaling, because I think otherwise I'm easily distracted. I think about other things when I should be praying or thinking about God. And so it helps me engage all my senses so that I'm actually really engaged with what I'm doing. But I would love to ask you, Summer, what has your journey with journaling been like? And why has it become an important spiritual practice for you? Yeah, I would say that journaling is the overarching spiritual practice besides scripture. 
that uh, with all of the different spiritual practices that I engage with, that they come and go a bit, but journaling always stays the same. And so I've got, uh, I've got boxes and boxes because I can't seem to throw them away, but I also don't want them to be out. (laughs) So I've got boxes in the garage. When I was 10 years old in fourth grade, Mrs. Veen was my teacher at Greater Portland Christian School in Portland, Maine. And she brought out a stack of black and white composition notebooks. We put them on the table and hand them out to all of us. And she'd set a timer for 30 minutes. And with that tick, tick, tick of an ache timer, I had the privilege of having 30 minutes to myself with blank pages and just my imagination. And she said, all you have to do is keep your pencil on the paper. But I was also reading a book about a young girl that did short-term missions. Her name was Jennifer. I don't know if anyone else read this book series, but at the end, it was always in letter form. And at the end of every chapter, she said, it's me, Jennifer. And so because of that series, I started journaling prayers to God at the age of 10. And there was such a gift there for me in beginning to name my emotions and doing that with a God who cares. Mm. I, I don't know how I was able to receive that, but I knew from the very beginning that God cared about what was going through in my life, that what I was going through. Mm. So that's where that practice began. And I still have that, that journal beginning with some kind of cliche poem about the end of the rainbow or something like that. And experiencing all the way through how I sensed the invitation of the Lord whenever he was doing a big soul movement in me, that I could write about it at night. I could write about it in the morning. I could stay present to the truth that he was carving in my soul mm-hmm. by coming back to that truth over and over and writing it, but also writing about it in my natural flow of my life. Mm-hmm. Like this is what's happening today. And this is why this is still important today. It sounds like when you were in fourth grade, you got some of the perfection of writing knocked out of you because she basically taught you just keep your pencil on the paper. And I think a lot of us are afraid of journaling. Well, probably for a lot of reasons that somebody might read our journal, maybe one of them, but also I think because Some of us just don't feel like we're good writers. And so it's a challenging or it's a vulnerable experience actually to start writing when you don't, when you feel like it's something that's not something you're good at. So I would love to know, like, what kind of encouragement do you have for people that feel like, uh, I just don't like to journal because it's too hard for me? Mm, That's such a good question. 
One of the things that I would say is just do a lot of listing Mm -hmm. if you'd like to, just like a lot of bullet points and a lot of listing. This is where I am today. I do love the gratitude practices and writing those gratitudes out, but I've learned about how beautiful it can be if we don't just say what we're thankful for, but we say why. Mm. We add the why in that all of a sudden it goes that much deeper. So I just invite people to just start with lists, Mm -hmm. listing uh, the gifts of today, listing the struggles of today, even just those places. Or one of my favorite questions is, uh, where have I seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? Where am I longing to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? Mm. Those are beautiful questions. I love that. they. If you do that repeatedly too, it becomes a bit of another practice called a daily examine where we're really looking at our lives over and over and over again, we start to see the patterns of God's presence in our lives. That's one of the reasons why I think journaling has been really impactful for me is because I go back and maybe once a year or so, I flip back through my journal and I start to read some of the prayers that I've been praying. And it jogs my memory for, oh, this is where God showed up. And it builds my trust for He's going to do it again, especially when I'm in a hard season to go back and read the faithfulness of God in my life that I have written with my own hand has been just deeply soul nourishing for me. Have you found that to be the case for you as well? Or do you even read your old journals? Maybe you don't. (laughs) A hundred percent. No, there's a book by Leanne Payne about prayer journaling. I don't know if anyone else has seen this, but she was doing a lot of writing in the 1990s and she was um, in her varsity's writer of the year or Christianity Today's writer of the year a couple of times. Anyway, so I'm telling you that mm-hmm. there's so much deep wisdom there. And she teaches in that book, how to journal our prayer mm. and that particular book has been hugely instrumental in my life. And what she would do is she would do like a grand examen at the end of the year. And she would take a highlighter and she would actually spend like two or three days um, just going back and reading and seeing where the Lord had broken through the, yeah, the true breakthroughs of her mm. life or um, the words that the Lord is speaking to her over and over and over and carrying them into the new year, making sure she doesn't forget yeah. them. I love that. Well, you know, one of the things that you and I talked about before we uh, started recording was about how brain science is actually helping us see that journaling isn't just a good idea. It's actually something that can lead to transformation in our lives. So talk a little bit about what you've discovered regarding how journaling can bring about transformation for us. Yeah. So the left brain is really logic and language oriented. The right brain is really creative and emotive. 
And when we bring those two sides together, then we're integrating our brains and we're we're actually bringing a stronger sense of kind of a relational prefrontal cortex online uh, and bringing that to the, the concepts that we're writing about. Every time we name an emotion, that emotion is kind of pinned to the board in a good way and we can see it with more clarity mm. and it lessens. So just naming an emotion is powerful. If we name around an emotion, that makes a trauma less intense. It reduces intrusive thoughts. It reduces fight-flight patterns. And it hits the break on our emotional responses. So I just, I think that journaling is one of the most profound things that we can do for our mental health. Yeah, it almost is like when we go to a counselor, if you've been to a good professional counselor, which I have, and when I have been completely honest with her, it's a bit like the same effect as when I'm completely honest in my journaling. Um, Of course, she speaks back to me, but the spirit is present in my journaling as well. But I think there's this you know, naming, when I name something, when it's bringing it into the light and it loses power. I think that's a spiritual principle that God just tells us things that are hidden in the dark, they grow and they, they consume and they become bigger than they should be. And as soon as we speak it, name it, there is like something that lessens there. And I love that you just helped us see actually how that's happening in the brain and that science supports that. It's definitely been my experience for sure. I think brain science is absolutely fascinating. And the reason why is because the Lord created our brains. Yeah, that's right. He created them so that we would understand how to be even more healthy, how to be, how to join with him in his uh, the way that he created us. So I just think finding out more about brain science is one of the most fascinating parts of, of my life. Yeah, so one of the things that I was talking about with my mom today is that uh, she was writing out the trauma of her young life. It, she was extremely neglected as a child. And as she wrote out the lament of what it was like to be neglected and then offered it to another person. So she was able to see it Mm. and speak the truth of it through writing it down and then to be attuned to by speaking it out loud to another person. There was like a double healing that happened there. Mm. I love that. And I love when brain science and experience actually echoes scripture and it brings to mind to me, Romans 12, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think that's what we're doing. We're renewing our mind, which is transforming us. And that's exactly what we're talking about. And the pattern of this world wants, of course, to press us into fretting, anxiety, worry, fear. 
And what God is inviting us to is trust and releasing those things to him, letting him be the, be God (laughs) and letting us not be God anymore. So, wow, that's a beautiful story for your mom and so encouraging to hear and that she's processing that with you. What a beautiful gift in your relationship. Oh, it's amazing, Jody. My mom is uh, a real companion. She's become a, a spiritual director as well and got the same training at the same time I did. Wow. And so we've been on this journey together for quite a while. And so it's been an incredible gift. But one of the things that we're taught there is how absolutely essential lament is and how in the Psalms, which is our book of prayer, right? I mean, he's teaching us how to pray. Mm-hmm. And it makes some people really uncomfortable who aren't as emotive in their way of talking with God. They're like, I'd rather not see behind the curtain of David type thing. But David actually wrote more lament Psalms than praise Psalms. And so he allowed the truth of his present experience to come up before the Lord so that the Lord in turn could help to change it through Mm -hmm. the light of his presence, through the light of his character. Or sometimes there's even one or two lament psalms in which there is no resolution, Mm -hmm. but he was allowed just to cry out exactly where he was mm-hmm. and not need to go any further, but to know that kind of like when we need a friend to just hear us and not to tie a little bow on it, David was allowed just to have his complaint, his, his pain heard in that space. Mm -hmm. So I love that we get to hear about depression. I love that we get to hear kind of what's behind all of his stories, Uh, not just the beautiful Psalms like Psalm 23, but his anger. We get to hear his crying out and asking God, where are you? We get to hear this incredible pain, this swirling and rumination of thoughts and incredible depression. Mm -hmm. So it gives us the opportunity, the validation that the Lord wants to hear every little bit that we're going through. And just like a mom would say, I want to hear what's going on with you when their kids come home from school. Mm -hmm. We want to attune to our children. The Lord wants to attune to us. Mm-hmm. One of the ways that attachment happens, I was just teaching this in um, one of my presence project groups today, was that attachment happens when a child cries and then there's a response. They cry and then there's a response, cry and mm-hmm. response, cry and response over and over and over. And so God, as a perfect attachment figure who desires a secure attachment with the, 
uh, attachment with us invites us to cry so he can respond, cry so we can he can respond. So that becomes our job. What's going on deep in our soul that he is inviting us to cry out so that he can show himself faithful? Mm, gosh, that's so encouraging. And I love, I've been thinking of the Psalms almost as an ancient journal in some ways, the record of prayer and emotion and all the the whole gamut, just like you talked about. And it has been a place that this past, I don't know, year or more, I have really felt more deeply entrenched in the Psalms than ever, probably the last few years. They have just come to life for me because all of a sudden I start to see the freedom that they are inviting me to or giving me words to express some of the things that are in my heart that I don't even know how to really frame or give words to. And so they have been deeply, I would even use the word intimate for me as as a heart expression from centuries ago to today same emotions, same things that we're going through, same grief and longings and hopes and fears are expressed through the Psalms. And, and they do, they give so much freedom. So I love, I love how you've articulated that. Let's talk a little bit about some different ways that we can practice journaling. I know one of the ones that you do, and I'd love to talk about first is a manual journaling. So tell us a little bit about that. I cannot tell you how healing a practice that this has been. So this is through Life Model Works and was engineered through Sangshim Lapnow, her name is. She uh, went to Fuller and she's a marriage and family therapist and she is deep in the scriptures. She's a Korean woman who... Uh, moved here to go to Fuller and ended up staying and just has this deep loam, really, of scripture that she's planted in, which I love. And as she was learning about it, had of attunement, how we need to be seen and heard, how we need to know that what we're going through matters to the person who's listening, how they're with us. She was hearing Exodus 3, 7 and 8. Hmm. And Exodus 3, 7 and 8 is at the burning bush. Moses is hearing from God his heart for his people. And he says, I've seen them in their suffering. I've heard their cries. I'm concerned about what they're going through. Mm. And I am coming and I am coming Mm. in order to, uh, to bring them out. So it's, that became the stages of the Emmanuel journaling, because Mm. as you and I know, that same phrasing that God uses at the burning bush, he uses more than once through scripture. I'm cons- I see them, I hear them, I'm concerned, and I am coming, I'm, or I'm with you. So the Emmanuel journaling stages give us a chance to 
position ourselves. This is not us journaling to God. And sometimes we can do a little bit of that. I do that. But it's actually listening to the heart of God for what we are going through Mm -hmm. based on his character, based on what we know from scripture, based on the fact that we know that everything that we're going through, that he cares deeply. Mm -hmm. So it starts out with something called interactive gratitude, which is kind of what I was talking about before we describe something that we just have an overwhelming joy about. And so we describe that to him. And then we say why that was important to us. Hmm. Then we listen to his response. How would a good father feel when we come with a heart of gratitude? Hmm. And so we listen for his delight about our delight or his showing us that that really was a good gift from him. So it starts out with the interactive gratitude because it also turns on our relationality. It turns on the prefrontal cortex so that we are ready to be in relationship. Mm. Like if you ever want to um, spend time with a parent or spend time with a child, if you come with gratitude first, all of a sudden you watch a shift in their body posture. All of a sudden there's this, they're delighted, they're thankful for who I am to them. And there's an open posture that happens. So we're looking for that open posture. And then second is, I can see you. We know that God is El Roy, that he, El I I don't know how to say it, but uh, how to say it in the Hebrew. Maybe you do, Jody. How would you say it? I, I've always said El Roy too, but I, okay. I'm i a fan of actually as much as we can pronouncing it the way it looks to us because I think it lowers the barrier. So <laughs> I, That <yes>. sounds perfect. <laughs> so we know that God called himself the God who sees. Mm-hmm. And that was actually one of the very first names he gave himself in revealing himself to his people. I am the God who sees your pain. Mm. I'm the God who sees. So um, we kind of ask the Lord, Lord, what are you seeing just as my physicality right now, where I'm sitting, you're sitting at your desk, your breathing's a little shallow because you're excited. Your shoulders are a little bit edged towards your ears. Because it's been a long day. We just allow the Lord to see us and we write what it is that uh, Mm. we are posturing ourselves to allow him to see in a way, Mm -hmm. becoming aware of his seeing. So that's number one. Number two is I can hear you. So it's so easy for me to get that sense of internal yuck or some kind of angst that I actually don't know what I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I actually, uh, the 
the ruminations have been going in the background and I haven't put my finger on them yet. And I need the Holy Spirit's help. Yeah. So I'll even ask, Holy Spirit, what do you hear me saying to myself? Mm. And so I write that down. And then we have a little bit of uh, a time of listening to how the Lord feels about what we're saying to ourselves. Then the next one has to do with how he how he sees our dreams, blessings, sufferings, our longings, or what's come up in what he's heard. How does he feel about that? And um, there's a line in the Emmanuel journaling that says, I know this is hard. I know this is big for you. Hmm. Sometimes things might not feel big to my husband, but they feel big to me mm-hmm. because it's a big part of my story. Yeah. And the Lord knows that. Mm-hmm. So I know how big this is for you becomes the next one. Then the one after that starts out with this statement. I am tender with your weakness and I long to be with you. Mm. There's something about that that makes me feel seen, that makes me feel like I don't have to perform, that I don't have to put on perfect clothes in order to be seen, that that he's tender with all of the places that I feel like I'm weakest in. Mm -hmm. And so I can be honest and I can listen to his heart for me. And then the final one is... Uh, number six, and it's what resources do you have for me today, mm. Lord? Mm. And then we just sit in quiet and just ask the Lord, what resources do you have? So that's the flow of the Emmanuel journaling. And it's actually the flow of what attunement looks like as we need someone to, to feel we need to feel felt and that they're willing to be an empathetic witness yeah. to our life. And so God becomes our empathetic witness, which we know he is already, right. but we have to become aware of and receive the gift of. Yeah. The word that was coming to my mind as you were describing that was compassion, really leaning on the compassionate heart of God and letting him love us as the father that he is. I love how you even set that up, imagining what would a good father say to his loving, his beloved child? A good father would say all kinds of compassionate, loving things. And so such a beautiful uh, experience, it sounds like that Emmanuel journaling is. So if somebody wants to try that out, where can they find out more or, or do this practice? Yeah, you can just go online and um, put down a manual journaling and life model works is the group that uh, that teaches it. And they've got a book called The Joyful Journey that this is a part of. Mm. And if I can just say that it has been the largest gift for healing shame in my life. Mm. 
For the longest time, shame used to be a resting emotion in my life. Mm. And having the Lord attuned to me, speak truth over me over and over and over has interrupted the shame cycle so that it is not an issue in my life any longer. Mm, Praise God. That's an amazing testimony. And what freedom, like I can even see the freedom as you talk about that in, in your posture and yeah, it's a beautiful testimony. Well, Summer, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm so encouraged by the process of journaling, what it's meant in your life, and even this practice of Emmanuel journaling and how much healing it's provided for you. So thank you for encouraging us and pointing us to the Lord through this spiritual practice today. It has been such a privilege to be with you, Jody, and all of your listeners. And I just pray that you and your pen would be blessed. Hmm. Thank you. Well, I'm going to do a bunch of links in the show notes so that you can all find summer. You can find the Emmanuel journaling that we talked about and anything else that we talked about, you'll find it in the show notes. So as always, I just want to thank you all for joining us today because we really do believe that Jesus has so much more to say to us. And this is one way we're creating space to listen. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.